Section 1. A Book of Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pinchcliffe. The Book of Wales by Frank Evers Bedard. Introductory. The subject of which the present volume treats is undoubtedly one of interest to the general public as well as to the naturalist. The huge size of many of these creatures, the rarity of the occurrence of some of them, and the mystery which envelops the habits of the great bulk of the species is attractive. Besides, to many people, the whale is an ingenious paradox, by reason of the fact that it lives in the water and yet is not a fish. At no more remote a date than 1895, thought Professor Huxley, this question of the fish-like nature of whales was not settled for many persons. Such persons, however, had on their side the naturalists of the 16th and even the 17th centuries who classified whales with fish. Even so recently as 1818, I quote from Sir William Flower, the current edition of Johnson's Dictionary defined a fish as an animal inhabiting the water, hence a whale, undoubtedly coming under the definition, would be classified by the author of that dictionary as a fish. To the naturalist, the remarkable adaptation to its mode of life with the resultant fish-like form is no less interesting. But no competent zoologist has any longer any doubt of the mammalian character of the cetacea. It is even possible to assert that whales are remote from some of the existing and vanished groups of mammals. But the exact affinities of these creatures is a matter which is still disputed. There is thus a field for speculation which at present has hardly any limits. In cases of this kind, new and important evidence may be forthcoming at any minute, which lends a particular fascination to the study of this group, much more than to the study of these groups whose affinities are more thoroughly known. The existing knowledge of this group is very far from being complete. From the nature of the case, whales are exceedingly difficult to investigate. The opportunities for dissection are particularly confined to stranded specimens, and the stranding of whales is not an everyday occurrence. Obvious difficulties, moreover, hamper the naturalist, who is so fortunate as to receive timely information of the stranding of a desired specimen. On the other hand, there is much more accumulated knowledge concerning the skeleton of Cetacea. But even here there are many regrettable lacunae, not only by reason of the frequent imperfections of the skeletons, but also because of the sheer lack of material in the case of many forms, particularly among the dolphins. The often fragmentary character of the available Cetacean remains and the consequent and necessary inability to distinguish between what might be fairly regarded as real, specific, or generic differences, and what were mere variations, led the late Dr. Gray to create a vast number of species and genera of whales. Comparatively few of those new forms which he instituted are now allowed by the students of this group. Though doubtless a good many forms remain for identification and establishment, the total number of real species and genera of whales is a comparatively small one. This is itself an inducement to the study of the order, since it is possible to acquire a general knowledge of the whole group.
the naturalist, who hopes to have a thorough acquaintance with such an order as that of the Rudentia, has much work before him. The student of the Cetacea, on the other hand, has to deal with not more than 35 genera and, at most, 80 species. It will be attempted to give the bulk of what is known concerning all of these in the present volume. End of Introductory <laughs>